0: hello everybody um thank you once again for joining us um we're glad that uh you are listening and or and or watching to this episode of the podcast we have um, an interesting film for us to review uh and discuss uh on this fine evening we hope that wherever you are You are uh, comfy and uh, doing splendidly. Uh, My name is Juan, as always, here with my main man, Kevin. Hello, everybody. Missing my other main man, Mark. Miss you. But, But still, we like movies. You you um that's our uh, in studio <laughs> audience um as always um please remember to uh subscribe follow us like us comment let us know what you think about um a-, a particular review or just what we're doing in general and if you'd be so kind uh share um on your um social media pages um there's also links on the disc- on the show descriptions on the episode description where you can email us if you'd like, or even um, you can go to the website, uh, buy me a coffee, and uh, and donate and support um, what we do. Um, actually, have a hand in in helping us make it better. But uh, anyway, enough of that. Um, Like I said, we are here to discuss a film this time around. It is my pick and the film is a 2018 release in the genre of American neo-noir crime thrillers. It stars Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn, Tori Kittles, Michael J. White, Jennifer Carpenter, and Don Johnson is in there, Uh, also Thomas Crutchman. Um, The film is Dragged Across Concrete. Um, It is directed by S. Craig Zaylor, also written by S. Craig Zaylor. If you don't know that name, uh, you might be familiar. Um, with uh, some of his other films one of those being um, Bone Tomahawk and the other one um, that I had heard of at least was um, Brawl in Cell Block 99 which I hear is also um, really good Um, as I was saying uh, the film is produced by Summit Entertainment Um, as well as uh, a plethora of other production companies distributed (laughs) by Lionsgate, was released on September 3rd, 2018, Um, has a uh, lengthy runtime of 159 minutes, uh, which is, what, two hours and 39 minutes, and had a budget of about... 15 million dollars uh was not released widely um so from what i can see uh box office is just under uh half a million. Uh, just over sorry half a million dollars um uh what else do i have what else can i give you here i can give you a little bit of the synopsis or the the teaser for it it says once two overzealous cops get suspended from the force, they must delve into the criminal underworld to get their proper compensation. Again, uh, this was a movie that really, oh, and the tagline is those who can't earn a living must find another way to provide. Um, I guess I'll share why I picked this film, Kevin. Uh, if you're listening, if you're paying attention, let me see the whites of your eyeballs. There you go. Um, uh, but yeah, the reason I picked it, um, this movie I had, re- had come to my attention, as I think it did for many people because it started to gain traction on netflix this past year um people started to discover it and kind of um uh, really i think fell in love with it and just saying that it was very underrated obviously because it was so under the radar um, so that was interesting. And, and I think there was also rumors, you, you know, that, that, that there was also a certain backlash because I, I guess it had some um, conservative maybe or like anti-woke um, uh, subtle um, underpinnings or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, but, um, but, but I still wasn't super interested in watching it until I saw Bone Tomahawk which again was written and directed by the same writer and director as Craig Zahler and to me that movie is uh is kind of a masterpiece um I would love to just talk about that movie at some point because I loved it um but anyway after having watched that I've also heard again heard Cell Block uh, F- Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine is really good, but anyway, at that point I was like, "All right, now I really want to take a take a chance at watching and reviewing uh, Dragged Across Concrete." Chance, it's on uh, me. Um. And my uh, initial thoughts, I guess, to kick off um, the episode and the review of the film is that I didn't quite love this as much as I did uh, Bone Tomahawk. Um, This was even more of a a challenging uh, film to watch, um, as Craig Zaylor does not do, sort of, from what I've seen so far, doesn't do kind of bite-sized, easily digestible, (laughs) cookie-cutter films. This movie is long, it has long shots, um, a lot of character development, I guess some controversial stuff, depending on, you know, where you are in the, um, uh, on that sort of social, um, spectrum. Um, but, uh, but I still liked it. I, I think it's very, very thought provoking. I thought there were some really Really interesting things that he did with the story, with the characters, um, uh, a lot of um, depth and, and, and a lot going on uh, overtly, but also underneath the surface. Um, you know different different commentaries that i think he's making about about society about law enforcement about race relations about you know um where we are um in the united states uh, as far as um just society and 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 economics and um the different classes um so some really really interesting interesting things the film um is on Rotten Tomatoes why sorry that was annoying um has a 76% critic score and a 67% audience score and I feel like um while I I my percentage, if I uh, as a critic, would probably be a little bit higher. I feel like the audience score is fair, if not even um, a little. Um, uh, what do you call uh, flattering? Gen- generous, because, yeah, generous. Because uh, I think it is it is a challenging film, not only for the length of it, but again, the way that the story is told. Um, it requires patience, lots of patience, um, because. Sometimes there's just stretches where nothing is really happening. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I liked it, and, and I'm excited to get into it. Um, Kevin, uh, your initial thoughts.
1: All right, take cover, everybody. <laughs> um, I, I really, really like this movie. I was surprised. I may be rating it higher because I have yet to see Bone Tomahawk or um, Brawl in Cell Block 99, which somebody told me work backwards, see Cell Block next and then uh, Tomahawk because he goes Tomahawk is his greatest one, so you don't want it to ruin the other ones. So, again, I, I really like this. I had four points of contention that if you remove two of them, would have made this a near-perfect movie for me, and we'll talk about that Majority of it is the probably the first 30 seconds of the movie and mm-hmm. the last five minutes of the movie. Like if mm-hmm. you would have just okay. put put them on chopping block, cut the ends off, I I would have I would have loved I would have thrown this into like a perfect stellar, almost stellar movie. There are two things in the middle that I do want to talk about that I had slight issue with, but they're they're just personal things that aren't so bad. Mm-hmm. Um but again it's it's a great movie. That deals with flawed heroes. Wow. Um they're they're dealing with moral dilemmas and they're actually dealing with it. They're not like, okay, they've come to this decision to do something and they're okay with it. They keep fighting it. They're like, no, we're not supposed to do it, blah, blah, blah. Are you sure you're in? Are you and they keep fighting back and forth. And even up to the end, you know, what happens with Mel Gibson's character, we'll get into it. Like he's still fighting the flaws in him. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like his distrust. His he wants to control it. He wants to. And there was a lot of great character movements in it. And even though like she got billed, uh, Jennifer Carpenter, I loved her character and how she was, what she was dealing with. She was very short, but again, it's there's no small parts, just small actors, and I think she did a really great job in what she was portraying, even if it was a little over the top, but the character. But I really thought it was great, and it added to it. Um, I would have liked to see a little more development on the bad guy side, but we can't. They would have pushed the movie into, like, five hours. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it was good. And, again, like, I think the only little quibbles I had on the middle, which aren't big, is the stakeouts did drag out, but I felt like that was necessary because they were trying to make us feel something. And, again, it's just me. Didn't feel like what they got recorded doing in the beginning was that bad, I thought we were gonna see them like beat the living daylights out of somebody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm like, he just he had his okay. You shouldn't have your foot on it, but I'm like, all right. I'm like, oh, you were you toss an iron. I'm like, I don't know what that means. You just uh-huh. had a gun on a, on somebody you're arresting, and that was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than those little quibbles, like I said I I really enjoyed this movie. I was um every time I paused it because I had to deal with my daughters. I was like, wow, a lot of time has passed, and I didn't even realize oh. that passed. So yeah. to me it was chewing up a lot of time really quickly yeah. even though it was I'm like man it's dragging it out uh-huh. but I do feel that that added to it but overall I really liked it it felt like it was a throwback like in its vibe in its it, even in some shot selections and how they were moving the camera it felt like it could have fit back in the 70s with like a, like a modern version of Thief that we reviewed or something else like it it really did feel gritty it felt dark and overall, I was really, really pleased, like pleased with it, even though I did roll my eyes when I saw the, the runtime in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I, I really did enjoy this movie.
0: Yeah, I was even even though I um, was aware of the movie, I did not think it was that long. I thought it was gonna be two hours, max, um, that, that, so those 40 minutes, um, I was unprepared for going into it. But um, but yeah, glad I watched it. So many things that you mentioned that I want to earmark so that we don't forget because I want I, I would like to spend some time on on so many things that you shared there. I will start off by um, just on a personal note, Jennifer Carpenter. I want to shout out because she is married to um, half of my favorite musical duo. Um, which is which are the Ava brothers. Um, she's married to Seth Avid. Um, so I was I don't, I don't see her in, in a lot of things. so it was nice to see her. Um, while I underst- while it, her role and her, that sort of plot point added some depth to what happened in that particular part of the story. I do think that was something that could have been cut out, um, to shorten the movie. Um, what else, uh, what you were mentioning. So first, let me kind of give a recap for people. And at this point you are warned that spoilers are ahead although i I don't think i'll give much away here but um so these these two cops these two partners these detectives actually they're kind of um on a stakeout waiting to arrest this guy hanging out um outside of his his balcony in a in a new york um, city um, neighborhood so it's like the fire escape and when he comes out you know they trap they kind of they kind of have a little a little trap set for him and when he comes out they arrest him the character played by mel gibson has his foot on the guy's neck just kind of um you know suppressing him and and uh then they handcuff him he at one point i think you know maybe mushes his face a little bit into, into, um, that balcony. Um, and so he's a little bloodied up, but it it really wasn't very super violent. Um, you know, in terms of some of the things we've seen in real life, it was pretty mild, um, and, uh, but, but anyway, someone, a neighbor was recording it. So they are going to hand it over to, of course, you know, new, a news media um to release it for everyone to see you know police brutality um police you know a uh, violation of use of force so their um chief lieutenant played by don johnson brings them in has a conversation with them explains hey times have changed i don't think what you did was all that bad but real- realistically where we are today especially with law enforcement um Oftentimes, it's viewed as perception is reality. So they get suspended for six weeks without pay. This obviously puts them in a bind financially. Um, His partner, played by Vince Vaughn, wants to propose to his girlfriend and wants to provide her with a certain life. Um, So now he feels, um, you know, like, like the way that the things are going for him in his career uh, brings that into question. And then Mel Gibson has a wife who has a physical handicap. She has a multiple sclerosis, I think is what it was. And Yeah. yeah. And the neighborhood that they live in has become more and more dangerous to the point where his daughter is, Uh, Well, what we see is she, there's a group of boys and they're kind of bullying her and they throw a soda on her as she's walking home from school. And apparently things like this have happened before to her. So, um... Uh, his wife kind of puts pressure on Mel Gibson to say like, hey, we need to move, we need to get out of this neighborhood, you know, who knows how much trauma is being done to our daughter, and who knows as she continues to develop, and she's very pretty, who knows, you know, what could happen down the line. So obviously, as a as a man, as a husband, as a father, and as a provider and protector, he feels the pressure of all that. And um, so he's like, all right, I, I have to do something about it. So he finds a connection that gives him a tip on on someone that he should probably keep an eye on and follow that could lead to something that might have some money at the end of it um, that he could obviously steal uh, and use to his advantage he um, brings his partner in on it but and kind of just lays it all hey here's what we're gonna do we're gonna follow this guy we're gonna watch him we're gonna see what it leads to and if it leads to money we're going to steal it. Um, he gives him the choice. Are you in or are you out? He has, uh, so the difference between them is Mel Gibson has been in the forest for a long time. Vince Vaughn is more of the younger guy. Um, but, and, and also because of that, you know, he hasn't been around the block as much. He hasn't seen as much. So his high moral character is still, um, further is still pretty much intact, whereas Mel Gibson at this point um has learned where to bend the rules and whatnot a little bit. He still has high character but but is more um more stained, I think you could say, and hasn't advanced in his career. So anyway, they decide to do it, and they are they're staking out this guy, and there's a big chunk in the middle, you know, where they're outside of this apartment, just waiting to catch a glimpse of him and being able to follow him. They eventually do, and that leads to um, a bank heist. And I'll kind of leave it at that, right? That, uh, I'll I'll leave that there. Um, to what you said, Kevin, about the first thirty seconds of the film. So I press play on this last night Uh, my (laughs) wife I'm in the living room my wife is in the kitchen and I'm like all right this I've heard that this is violent Um, that's okay I watched bone tomahawk that was violent I was okay with that it was graphic it was violent it was it was a a horror Western so I expected similar things like that but Although it is crime, and, and sometimes in crime it's almost like they have to throw in, you know, a strip club or, you know, a stripper or some nudity or whatever. But still, I was like, nah, I don't think there will be. Literally, the opening scene of the movie is uh, uh, two naked people, a guy on top of a woman, uh, a prostitute, and, you know, yeah, they're going at it. Just, yeah, going at it. So, I... <laughs> Press stop, <laughs> waited for my wife to, to <laughs> go to bed, and you know, finished watching that. Fortunately, that was the only instance in the movie, it lasted about 30 seconds, and it just <laughs> set up that. Um, so again, so then the other side of the story is that what, we're following, what, yeah.
1: Wait, what, before you go on? I literally told the girls, I'm like, bone tomahawk, they uh, and they like violence. I'm like, girls, you want to watch this movie? I'm gonna watch. I'm like, all right, they're getting snacks. I push play. I saw that scene, pause it. I'm like, they're coming up. I'm like, girls, you ain't watching this movie with me. I don't know what's happening in this movie. They're like, oh, but you said we could. And now I say you can't. Yeah. Get out the the room. Exactly. That's why, at least it was in the opening. Because if it, can you imagine if I'm watching the movie with them and then boom, I'm like, whip. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it was, it was only in the opening, never happened again. Um, But yeah, so the other half, I guess, side B of the plot is that you're following, you know, this, um, this black man who was just released from jail or, or probably more like prison for maybe a few years or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he is, you know, getting back. Uh, We see him, you know, getting back home, uh, we see him with his best friend, and they start talking about, "Hey, you wanna you wanna get back in?" And he's like, "Hey, give me give me some time." Um, he goes to settle some business at home. Um, he has at home; it's just his mom and his uh, little brother, who's a teenager who um, is paralyzed uh, from the waist down. So he starts to kind of set things in order at home. And then shortly thereafter, he is back in, Um, you know, his friend has a good opportunity for them, maybe a simple, easy job through some connection. Um, It turns out we find out later on that what they're going to be doing is uh, in an interesting disguise, they're going to be the drivers um, in the the driver's seat and the passenger seat kind of being the getaway drivers um, for these guys that are doing this bank heist. Um, So yeah, those 30 seconds were a shock. Um, But yeah, so so that was the the beginning. Why don't we um, talk about your other, the other quibbles?
1: Oh, well, yeah, we do the end. Like if they would have left out that 11 months later part just ended it. I thought it would have been so much more powerful because now we know that he got, the, well, the one who um, ends up with the money is this black um, convict who, who, you know, that through Mel Gibson, the, only one, to that survives. the yeah. only one that survives, right? But he still says, I'll give him. He goes, I won't give him 40, but I'll give him something. You could have left that all to our imagination. We didn't have to see the, him walk in and tell Ma, I know how you like getting a massage, looking at the ocean. You're not even looking at the ocean, ma'am. She was looking at the door. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, and I was, I felt a little lackluster with the game room. We didn't need that. Um, I could have been left to my imagination that the girl doesn't know what happened to her dad and stuff. It's just showing it all. It just felt like it felt like it was tacked on to wrap it all up, give it all a nice, you know, complete ending. Mm-hmm. When I thought the ending right before that, when he's, when he's walking away, buried him, he's like, when this is all said and done, I'll come back to bury you proper. And it just goes up into skype could have ended there and i would have been like beautiful
0: yeah i hear you although i but... think that that ending is actually very very important in in what in what actually happens and what's being shown so what the bank heist was right i mean they they ended up with about four massive duffel bags of gold bullion and, um, again, it's this, this black gentleman, his name was, um, let's see. They call them slim. Yeah. They call them slim. Um, he I don't was, remember. He was Henry. Oh, Henry. Uh, the actor's name is Tory Kittles, by the way, yeah. who I thought did a phenomenal job and looked so much like, uh, like, um, oh, what's his name? Um. What movies either? Kendrick Lamar. Oh, okay. looked a lot like Kendrick Lamar and also like yeah. a, a buddy of mine from college. <laughs> but um, so the ending, I think that it was important because one, I think it shows. You know, we we get a glimpse into all of these lives, right? And so if you go back and you watch where this guy started to where it ended and everything in between, I think it really gives you this idea of not only, you know, how he transformed his life, but also how kind at the both the strokes of luck and fate and, you know, how How you finish is not always the same as how you start. And even though he was this criminal, served time, ended up actually, you know, killing Mel Gibson's character in self-defense and actually then had a monologue or no, a dialogue in which he said, I've never killed anyone before. So it kind of throughout you know all these characters it's the, the this gray area right of good and bad of um, actions and consequences of um, you know uh, means of survival. Um, so I think it, it it the more you you kind of think about it and how that final scene fits in and what you're seeing him in this you know giant house it was very white um in front uh, and you know that's obviously a symbolism for like purity and innocence right which is very interesting um and uh ocean view his brother is is in a game room right where he's surrounded by every video game imaginable, right? And he wants to design video games, right? So now it's like this, a generational shift, right? Where even though you can't excuse the things that he did, what he's doing now is providing an opportunity for his brother to not have to go down that path. So there's some interesting layers there, but most importantly for me though, was that final line. And even that the final scene of him going to his brother because earlier on, they're playing this video game, and the video game is about these gentlemen hunting big game, right? They're hunting lions, um, which is so interesting. Because like, who who does that, right? The black people, well, stereotypically, <laughs> black people don't do that. Hispanic people don't do that. White rich people go to Africa to shoot, which uh,
1: which they do mention the first time they're playing the game. It's like, no, that's what right. rich white people do.
0: Right. And so then at the end there, he's like, let's play that game again. And his final line is like, let's go hunt some lions. It, I felt like that again, I can't quite put my finger on it, but if I I could sit and think so much more about that and see what, what it is that, um, that that says you know about the mentality of that character and what he's been through and how he's kind of changed um one of the other things that for example i found very interesting was that you know the movie the the parallels between mel gibson's character and vince vaughn's character as the two police officers and then slim and muscles or biscuit as what's his name Yeah, Michael J. White's character, right? Where for most of the movie, we see both of them sitting in front of a car together, um, kind of having a similar uh, relationship together where one of them is older and wiser and kind of helping the younger guy through the situation. And then even going to the extent, right? Where um, uh, S. Craig Zaylor even has the two black guys in, in this white makeup, right? Full white chicks, but and white dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was such a great part of the film when Vince Vaughn catches on to that, you know, and no one, I hadn't, you know, but he's like, yeah. wait, those are the two guys. And I was like, oh, snap. There was something odd looking about them.
1: Yeah, I thought there were the other guys that were in the van when they showed up. I'm like, oh, yeah. they just switched places. Right, like, oh. exactly.
0: Oh, ooh. But interesting,
1: hold on, that he, you know, has them in
0: in this white makeup for most of the movie, really drawing a direct parallel between the other two white guys and kind of just saying, you know, different worlds, but different circumstances could be anyone based on decisions that you make. You know, again, um, upbringing, nature versus nurture, society, all that stuff. So there was just some really interesting things there beneath the surface that I think he he was trying to highlight.
1: Real fast, we'll get right back to it. You reminded me of another quibble. Okay. the first quibble. When they followed him to that garage, and then to to stake them out, they did a U-turn and parked right facing the garage. These people come out. They don't notice the one car in this empty uh, field. Then they drive. Not only that, then to follow them, they take off over the curb, over over the the... (laughs) median. I'm like... How did yeah. you not get seen? That was a little yeah. quibble. Everything else I thought was really well planned. I'm like, that was just ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Um, but that was, that was just a quibble. I'm like, all right, you got to dis- suspend belief for a movie. For me,
0: I... And maybe it was just, just... Maybe it's just my attachment to the character coming out. But Vince Vaughn's death and the way he died... Ooh was pretty brutal and the fact that i mean are we on the same page right that the assumption is that they gave her a gun and said go crawl and kill this cop or else we're gonna kill your
1: family or yeah because that's what you need to do what you have to do she was supposed to kill both of them so or else they had her address they'll go kill her family yeah and that's why when she was crawling out I was like, they're calling. I'm like, no, you need to tell that lady to stop. I'm like, at yep. first I thought maybe she had a bomb on her. Yep. And the tension that it created, because she wasn't even talking. I was like, does she have something in her mouth? Yeah. I thought maybe she had a grenade in her mouth. She's yeah. walking up. And, you're like, yep. and then finally she talks, like, I'm coming. And I was like, don't. I'm like, why are you letting this lady come? I'm like, obviously she did not overpower three guys with guns. Yeah. and my head, But it created such great tension, because it took forever for her to crawl there. Yeah, And then she pulled out the gun. You're like, mother.
0: Yeah. It happened very quickly, but that I think that's the part that annoyed me the most, because it seemed like Mel Gibson's character should have known better, and like mm-hmm. if it was just him in that situation, he would have stopped her and said, no, wait, what are you doing? Tell me more. Let me see your hands, this or that, Like, but I couldn't understand, and maybe I'd have to go back and watch it and just try to see for the subtle signs or whatever, why he succumbed to where the whole time it's very clear he's the one in control he's the one calling the shots he's the one dictating every move and Vince Vaughn is going like hey did we do this how do you, you know what do you think is happening going to him for everything in that moment he let Vince Vaughn just run with it and obviously he was he was feeling very compassionate for um this woman he th- throughout the movie you know he's very heartbroken about the people that are dying that they possibly could have prevented so this was a vulnerability and a weakness of his that in that point cost him his life but it just like you as i thought about it i was like man that just doesn't make sense that they just let her approach like that without at least a a slight round of questioning before that happened
1: yeah and then the way i rationalized it i guess when i was watching the movie is Mel Gibson also, when they drove by the bank, he saw they killed everyone in the bank. Yeah. And then, even though he wasn't answering the questions, he was trying to act stoic, I do believe Mel Gibson's character was in conflict with that. Like, hey, we let everybody die. We have to try to save this woman. You know what I mean? As opposed, if that bank part didn't happen, they may have even shot her. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. this isn't right. But they weren't thinking about that. They were thinking, hey, we're trying to save this. We're trying to get one win. Because they're still, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day... They're still cops, whether they have the badge or not. They yeah. still had that within them, even if he was a little bit cor- And he wasn't corrupt, really. He pushed the lines. This is the first time he's like, no, we're because they said, we had time to take bribe. We had a chance to take bribes. We never did it. Why not? He goes, because now we don't have jobs and we're suspended. And now we, need a f- we, we have families to take care of.
0: Uh-huh. You
1: know what I mean? So I think at that point when he realized he's still a cop and he still was guilt ridden over what happened at that bank. Uh-huh. And I think and I think that leads to what happens next is he starts getting angry and upset because now his he let down his guard and now his friend's dead.
0: Uh-huh. yeah, that's a great explanation. yeah, I think that's very um makes a lot of sense so. like I said
1: the the struggles that they had, I think really lifted the movies up because like I said they just weren't, hey we're gonna do this and we're like they really they kept struggling back and forth and every time something new happened. There was another struggle that called back to the previous struggle. And even when he was saying, Oh, you're not all the way in yet. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, I am in, I am in, but you're not all the way in. Cause this is not who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that went for Mel Gibson also. And that's why he was feeling, you know, Hey, you're not all the way in. Cause I don't think Mel Gibson necessarily wanted, he just wanted a clean heist. Let's get out of there. And that's it. And mm-hmm. it was, it was, you could see, especially their acting jobs. You could see that it was weighing down on Mel Gibson's character. Mm-hmm. And Vince Vaughn's character, yeah. Um,
0: one yeah. of the other things that I, th- I think it's a it's a minor um, quibble, I a guess. Quib. A quibble. Um, but the other bad guys uh, that were in masks the whole time. Number one, I wanted to see their faces. Like I was hoping that that was going to be revealed at some point.
1: In the credits, there were gray gloves and black gloves.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, although they both looked like black gloves to me. I didn't pay I attention to that, but then, so when they were, I mean, they were clearly psychotic, but so when they were doing those small time robberies and then killing the people, you know, Without giving it a second thought, so they were just doing that to raise the money to buy that van. Like that's they never my, really
1: explained that. That's my guess. But like, even though there were three of them, we—I only thought it was the one, the main guy. I forgot yeah, what his name was uh-huh. because I thought he was the guy doing all that. And then in the credits, you find out no, it was, it was Black Love's doing, like the small-time ones. Because you would just see this one guy go to that little room and and do all the calls and do all that stuff. So I just thought they were like two regular henchmen, but apparently they all three were working in as a team. Yeah. So my guess is they were because he does give the guy the duffel bag and it's like, hey, to get that armor thing to get the bigger it felt like almost like a video game. They kept leveling up to, to do and I guess the ultimate prize was this bank heist in the middle of a city yeah. in the financial district. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I was, I think that that, again, uh, I don't know as Craig Zaylor's point of view and why he kind of left again, it's, it's already a long story. And I think you, you alluded to this, but I do, I, I do see that as a flaw that those, the villains went a lot more underdeveloped um even because even i found myself even fascinated by by them you know and wanting to know more about them especially the the main guy because um you know i mean again they were all psychotic and ruthless and cold but you know he was so calm and composed and like in charge and um you know, what was, what was their, the, the, their plan actually. And, and what was going to happen next after they got to that getaway car and, you know, yeah. Who were they? Where were they from? You
1: know, like, and, and even just going off their voices, like two of them had like accents. One yeah. sounded straight American. I'm like, Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. They, they're not the same people. Cause I didn't know who was who cause they were all in the back of the van, but when mm-hmm. they talked, they had distinct personalities. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. Again, maybe you alluded to even though I did like her performance, maybe if Jennifer Carpenter's thing had been cut out, you we could have developed them a little bit more and all you needed was her returning back to work with, you know, the little sign like hey, welcome yeah. back and oh, I miss my baby and that would have established it. Yeah. But again, I did yeah, that that is a that is an issue that we were left wanting more about these people instead of just especially you gave one a name. He was Vogelman. But also so you have Jennifer Carpenter's story,
0: right? Where she is a mom just coming off of um, maternity leave, but she has very evident signs of postpartum or mm. like post or separation anxiety, like crippling mm. separation anxiety. Mm. It was, I mean, it was so, what was cool about it is that really like that was a story in itself within the story. Like just, just the story of that family, her, um, then you find out her husband, you know, he's like, and again, it's again, pointing out, you know, like where we are in society and the fact that I guess he was staying home more because she earned more money. And so she was going off working, although it was super difficult for her to leave, um, her baby, which, you know, is, is, is a really cool, I think. Um, even thing to explore and delve into you know again just the differences between men and women and and women feeling that that mater being designed to have that maternal instinct to want mm. to be with their child and to be at home and you see that at play there and then that um so so sad even that moment you know with her and her and her husband and she's mm. like i just want to see him and then i just want to touch him and he's obviously Feeling for her and, and empathizing, but also wanting to help her and, and giving her some tough medicine by, you know, anyway. But but for the record,
1: it was not medicine she needed. I was like, dude, get two jobs. If you don't make as much as her, let her stay home with her baby. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 We could, we could go on with that. For sure. That's a valid point. But, um, but then, um, well, and I, Yeah, okay. But anyway, (laughs) so all that is fine. You know, we see her trying to get on the bus. She gets on the bus. She's composing herself. She walks into the bank. You could have cut the whole thing with Mr. Edmington and his weird uh language and his vocabulary <laughs> words and his heartfelt <laughs> expression of how much they missed her yeah. and how beautiful she is and like it was funny. I liked it, so, but it was also not necessary.
1: That, that dude looked like he should be hosting inside the actor studio. Dude,
0: that that guy's great. He's in Barry and he's oh. awesome in Barry. And I oh. then I recently saw him in something else too. But I, I, when I saw him, I was like, "Yes, this guy's in this." And then, but his character was kind of ridiculous, so over the top, not very realistic. I mean, are there maybe people really like that? Sure, but it was a little bit over the top. And <laughs> and again, I just it, in the in the grand scheme of things, that's a good three to five minutes that you just you just didn't need to have in there Mm -hmm. because there i mean there was really no other point for it than to give us an idea of of the setting of her workplace and also maybe for us to feel bad for him later when he gets his penis or his balls cut off or whatever it was they don't show that but
1: well in theory he didn't because there was nobody else they probably just shot the dude but I think it was to make us like this whole group because they were, they weren't being nasty to her that she was four weeks late coming back from maternity leave, uh-huh. you know, and they were hap- they're were, they're were hyping her up, and then all of a sudden everyone shows up and they're like, hey, you know, we're gonna kill everybody here, yeah. But like that's where like even though I like and again and there's stuff to talk about the story before that with Jennifer Carpenter's character. If you knock out that ten minute scene. You could have just had her coming back to work. It's like, hey, and then you could have had your, your, you know, her boss being all happy that she's coming back. You establish all that, and I swore she was going to be the hostage. I was like, oh, oh yeah. they're going to take her a hostage. Now her husband's going to feel bad. And when they blew off her hand, yeah, her fingers, I, I was like, whoa. And she was yeah. trying to do the right thing. That guy was a douche. Yeah. Um, she they blew her, and she's like, just tell my baby, boom, and they just blew her head off. I'm like, whoa, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a big gut punch.
0: Um, the The other really sad scene was, um, you know, Vince Vaughn's uh, rejected proposal.
1: Do you Do you think it was rejected, or do you think she accepted that, it? But but he he's like, "It's not what I wanted to hear," because he was dying. Had not thought of that because that, that, of, I think uh,
0: because of the way it was acted. Because I think uh, that if that was the case, yeah. I would have think that. I, excuse me. I would have thought that there would have been even just a subtle curl of the lip, you know, like a a, a subtle smirk or something, just to mm. show like I'm happy. But then in an instant, like reality sets in. Mm. Oh, I'm I'm dying too. So no, my initial instinct, and I and I continue to stick with it based off of, um, also just their previous conversation, is that. Is that she probably said no, like which I, then I, but, but then also uh, remember then he's like oh you you want you want me to destroy the phone or whatever and then and yeah. then he does it so that yeah. too
1: because because this is why I thought you know at first I initially thought it was a no but then I was like wait what if he said what if it's yes but it's not what I wanted to hear because I'm dying and do you want to destroy the phone yes because he's like I don't want to be remembered for this so they could trace the phone they could follow all that I don't I don't want any of it. I mean, hmm. that's why he wanted everything destroyed, and because he was very, they were very big about. I hope this isn't what I remember, what I am remembered about for. And he's like, "I'll keep your name out of it." Hmm. Could so that, be. I mean, so that's it's why that... it, this was later on, like you know, when they're doing stuff. I was like, "Well, what if it was a yes?" Yeah, it definitely is
0: is more of an interesting angle. So, and I can't say that it's not possible. Either it's it's
1: 50 Yeah, because because she showed up to his house. She's like, oh yeah, I'll meet with you after I do this for yeah. to- what was his name, Tony, I think, or yeah, uh, I think yeah, so. for Tony, yeah, for Tony. Once I do this, you know, I just take care of this thing for Tony. We can meet. So she she was happy to do it because she loved them. So I don't see why she would have said no. I don't want to marry you. Yeah, no, it's true. Hmm, I guess we'll as, never know. But as, yeah, especially yeah. when you get to the point of proposing you pretty much, you're not going to surprise the person. Y'all probably already talked about marriage and wanting to get married. Uh-huh. So it's, and again, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's rare that a guy gets to the point of proposing to someone he's been with for a while, and he doesn't know that the answer's going to be yes, even though it's nerve-wracking to do. Uh-huh. Like, you're like, hey, I know this person. 98% is going to say yes.
0: hmm uh-huh. Yeah, that's very interesting. It hadn't occurred to me but I think it's a very interesting point and it's very possible. So let's talk about, again, going back to not the ending ending, but just before that. So after the whole shootout in this vacant, um, lot, the only survivors are Mel Gibson and Henry. Henry. AKA slim, slim. And of course, one's a cop, one's a criminal, one's black, one's white. Um, Although at that point, I think Henry kind of has the upper hand, but they come to their senses, right? And they go, well, there's plenty here for both of us. Um, Obviously the lingering question is do we trust each other? Um, not only to not kill each other right here right now, but you know, even further, further down the road, you know, to not revisit this or uh, Henry, of, of course, had shot a video of, um, of uh, Mel Gibson, Detective Richmond, uh, who's the one who eventually killed um, the lady who killed Tony um of course this was again after she had killed his partner so he was justified in killing her but again in a video perception is reality so he had that over his head so step by step you know they're they decide to to go through with it i felt like 60 40 was dumb to agree to why not just 50 50 Mm -hmm. um i think he could have made a case for that well
1: i I think it was
0: 60 40 because he had the video yeah i guess 70 30 and then they went with 60 40 which he agreed to um And then, you know, they're, they're very careful. Mel Gibson's very careful about saying, you know, we, we get the guns together to throw, to throw them out. We do this, blah, blah, blah. So they're planning it. So they still, their doubt and their, and their skepticism remains intact, but they also know that there's something, if they're able to, to, you know, get through it, um, there's a huge reward for the, both of them. And it seems like they're doing it. They get to the point. Where they dump uh, the detective's car in a lake. I believe the the final thing after that is just to bury the bodies. Hmm. Um, But and then we see that each one of them actually has a gun hidden. You know, I don't blame them, just in case. But then, right as as they dump that car, Mel Gibson, who's very quick on the draw, pulls out his gun, holds it up to Henry's Slim's neck. And is like, this has all been great, but I'm going to need that video because I don't trust you, you know, five months, one year, five years down the road to not release that, which again, you brought up the point that it's, it's kind of his inner demons coming out in that moment, but. I don't blame him, man. You can't let that yeah. video exist. Obviously, oh. Henry's thinking the same thing. Like, actually, I need this video, you yeah. know, so that you're a cop, <laughs> so that you don't come <laughs> after me or you don't turn me in or whatever. I, so, like, this is my insurance policy. But so it's a it's a catch it's a catch twenty two. It's a it's a lose lose situation. Mel Gibson's not gonna let that go, and I mean how no matter how much money is on the line, like how, how could you, Mm. you're talking about, again, I mean, the ultimate uh, consequence, which he pays is far worse, but I don't think that he, he might never have had peace, you know, even having the money, but, uh, but knowing that that video was out there. So I, I, I ultimately just don't think that that fate could have been avoided either they both would have killed each other. One would have killed mm. the other. But I don't think that both of them walking away was ultimately, uh, in this universe, a possibility.
1: Yeah, because once they went to split the, the gold, one of them was going to pull a gun and say, hey, um, I don't I don't agree to sixty I'll give you, like, 10 of these and you get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, you know, again, the... Um, Henry was afraid of, well, what's to stop him from just pulling a gun on me and arresting me and taking all the money from me. Yeah. So, like I said, it was... There were great characters that were very flawed. Yeah. And you wish that you could trust people. And I think they did try to show it that Henry was more trusting than... Mm-hmm. Yeah, than I, I think Gibson's so. Mel Gibson's character. Yeah. Because he was willing to go along. to go like, all right, mm. we're in this together. You know what I mean? The only way it, it would have worked out if he was like, "All right, Mel Gibson, uh, character was it uh, Brett?" He goes, "Take out your phone, record me bearing this body." You know I mean, now you have video of me, I yeah. have video of you, and then yeah. we both have our nukes, and it would have been fine.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking just now. Is that? Hmm. And again, um, it's a it, first of all, it's a movie, but also, yeah. but you do, you know, you put yourself in those shoes and that in in that situation you know with all the tension with everything that's going on with the possibility of all the money but with all the doubt and all the fear um, you know you would think yeah why, why couldn't you just be more rational and come up with they were both very smart guys so why couldn't you have come up with something that would have just satisfied both parties but um, but yeah it just wasn't meant to be. And it cost Mel Gibson his life, although ultimately um, was able to provide for his family.
1: Yeah. Like, it did work out. And again, like I said, it would have been, and I know you like the ending, but again, in my head, it would have been, I could have filled it in the same way. Or or I could have been like, you know what? He didn't give them the money. just kept it all. Or like, maybe he did give them the $40. Like, it would have just, I would have filled it in myself. But it just felt like at that point, especially after we we just went through all this tension, the build up with the hostage, and then the dumping everything, and then the killing. It just felt like it would have been a great cutoff point. Well, and
0: and even though I think it also showed, like, you know, I think there's also an expectation, right? And maybe that speaks to maybe the stereotype of um, maybe black people, and specifically you know, maybe like black criminals, right? That, that because maybe of society of what they're born into, and and that's not just limited to black people, but the movie uh, portrays black people. That's why I'm, I'm specifically um, speaking on that. But, um, but so maybe there's a, there's a stereotype, right? That they're just stuck in this vicious cycle, right? And so that once you begin a life of crime, you're going to just continue and even pass that on. And so as a, in opposition to your open-ended um uh ending i think this one shows like again even if you were in that life of crime Mm. at one point um and not that this is uh, something to achieve but 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 there are those who again that life of crime maybe is is a means to an end and once they have you know, at least this character with his lucky break, he did not use that, you know, to continue to maybe, um, you know, create a, a, or continue to perpetuate that cycle of crime. He um, actually escaped that, you know, and you see the contrast too between the, 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 that same family unit right, which is him, his mom and his and his brother. Now, what their situation is, right, where the mom was having to, um, you know, become a prostitute, yeah, to to provide for them. Now, she's getting massages right now. She doesn't have to do that now, you know, uh, and obviously, his brother is going to be taken care of, he's going to get to go to design school. And he is not, you know, uh, living a life of crime, right? He was he made a comment about I've been looking at numbers all day or something so really? he's he was probably meeting with his accountant talking about investments or something like that In so program, I think yeah. yeah so I think it just kind of shows like um you know even though the the beginning and the middle was was terrible you know from this twist of mm. fate Came something huh. good, you know, even though yeah. it it involved all this loss and all this tragedy.
1: No, and and, and that to me was implied when he's like, again at the end, well, the, where I thought it should have ended when he said, "Don't worry, I'll I'll will take care of them," and even when he said, and he didn't have to say it to anybody at that point. When he's like, "I'm sorry I had to do you cops like this. I promise I'll be back and I'll and I'll and I'll bury you proper." He goes, and then he walks off, and I was like, to me, once he did that and walked off, I was like, oh. I didn't know the 11-month part was coming up. So I was like, oh, man, this guy took care of his family, like the cop's family. Uh, he, You know, he got I'm like, I-, I was happy because I'm like, oh, he got himself out. And then they showed it. And, again, I just felt yeah. like it was more not heavy-handed, but it was just not necessary. Again, yeah. it could have been because it was at the end of two two hours and 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. Then I was like, oh, this part's not even really necessary. Yeah. Because while I do like the line, all oh, right, let's hunt lions, I thought it was a great line. I didn't really get how I applied to him because he wasn't the one doing the hunting you know what i mean everyone else did everything and then he he not lucked his way but you know he used his brains and he was like hey i was able to survive this situation because he had the gun and cellophane already wrapped he, he had the recording he had all this stuff that help him get out of this situation uh-huh. so i didn't see how the hey let's hunt lions like maybe if he was the one who's like hey i'm taking down all these people you know then he's like yeah I'm- but that's why, to me, I was like, I don't feel like he's a lion hunter, because I felt like that line was more about power and like being, you know, like strength. I thought his his strength was in his brains. Even when Mel Gibson's like, "Oh, why do you speak like that? You're a lot smarter than you let on." He's like, "Oh, don't let people know how smart you are." Yeah. And I, I think it wasn't about you know hunting lions or whatever. It's about just being smarter, you know, than being the smartest person in the room, but not letting people know that.
0: Yeah, and and I, so to be more. Um... To expand a little bit more on that, I don't think the idea is that now he's a lion hunter. I think the idea is, again, who are the people who hunt lions? Let's just say it's people in the 1%, right? Very wealthy people, most of the time white people, not always, who go to Africa to hunt these exotic animals, right? So I don't think it was, okay, now... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the hunter of lions. I think it's almost him, again, really transforming himself into, because of this great wealth that he's amassed into just have uh, or being able to relate or just understand that mentality of, of like, what, why, why those people do that and search maybe for that thrill. Uh, It's almost like he's, getting a taste of it or, like, tapping into it. So it's it's almost like hit, hit him getting into, you know, this this club that's guarded by these gatekeepers that for someone like him, you know, from his upbringing, is, is most of the time impossible to get into. But now that he's there, he's amassed crazy wealth. His wealth is growing, right, because he's investing and doing all this stuff. So now he's, I think... Just gaining this perspective of, you know, being like a person in that stratosphere.
1: I think, and not ne- that, not necessarily agreeing with you, but something that, like, while you were talking, I was like, "Well, this is what came to my mind about that." Um, I don't know why it came to my mind. Like, while you were, I was listening to what you were saying, but it could also be that. Yeah, he's he's in the situation where now he's in that 1% world, brokers, and this and that. He goes, yeah, I'm t- I took care of the last thing I had to do, which is send that package off. And the only thing he wants to do now is sit on the couch and play this game that they played when they were poor. And he's like, you know what? Let's hunt lions. Because I'd rather hunt lions with my brother just here on, here playing this video game. Because that, that'll bring me happiness because none of this other stuff brought him happiness. I don't yeah, know. That's possible. Just about- yeah. Just that's another that, that just angle. Pops when you were talking about it, I was like, "Oh, yeah. maybe he doesn't like being part of the one." Per, like you like the money, but he doesn't like it because they're not going on a real safari; they're playing the video game again.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I mean, that, that's an interesting angle.
1: So, um, oh, oh, yeah. Before we start editing, I do want to. There's, there's, there was two things I wanted to bring up, and I looked at my notes just now. Um, when they were staking out that parking lot again. It was ridiculously bright for five forty-five in the morning. Yeah. Well, he's like, let's wait to five forty-five a.m. Walks yeah. by, I'm like that is midday.
0: With yeah. light. yeah. And there were some great moments, you know, during the stakeout. I mean, I love crime
1: Pepper.
0: films. Oh. I love, you know, cops on a stakeout films. I mean, this this was more cops on a stakeout than I've ever seen in one film, <laughs> but there was some great dialogue. Vince Vaughn had some great lines, some really funny cool. stuff. I, yeah. I made a mental note that said, you know, show me two cops on a stakeout in a movie. That's like my daughter watching Cocomelon to me. You know, I, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I love that. Yeah. But um, I wanted to point out, well, or highlight um, as Craig Zaylor, very different um, films but reminds me a lot of Terrence Malick in some way oh. very different styles and approaches but has a very unique cinematic voice mm. and, and and just a theme and, and again has this way of you know there's a plot and there's a story but the way that it's told and the way that he reveals his characters on the screen it, it it adds all these layers with all of these really interesting reflective thematic questions so um for me I, that's who i i would compare him to um a lot of people you know or Terrence malik is not his films are not easily digestible um i think again just because of the genres that zayler is working with i think i think his films are a little bit more relatable and approachable for most people but i kind of see them in a way as you know two two sides of of a similar coin and i think what um what what seem the stories that they're trying to tell it and the way that they're trying to do it in these very again, these very human uh, stories and characters. So I think that's pretty interesting. And to you, I was going to recommend just I, I think you should watch Bone Tomahawk. Um, I haven't watched Brawl in Cell Block 99. Again, I've heard good things, but the reason I would say you should just jump in and watch Bone Tomahawk is because you are a man who appreciates a good western. And I this isn't. This is an excellent western, which um, with Kurt Russell. So I mean, <laughs> oh,
1: is there any sex and nudity or just no. violence?
0: Um. Well, ooh. there's no. There's no female nudity. There's uh, there's there's a backside back of of a, of a naked male.
1: Oh, it's like Young Guns when they stand up out of a tub and they see a body. <laughs>
0: this is not like Young Guns, my friend.
1: You've this never seen Young like...
0: Guns. Okay, but I'm telling you, what happens to that naked body oh. is is nothing near what
1: what happens in Young Guns. So you're saying it's not a movie to watch in my daughters.
0: No, it would probably give them nightmares. They're strong girls. But you should watch it. All right. Um, all right I, I have... Um, do you have any, any final thoughts before I jump uh, to some fun facts?
1: One final thought. Um, I like... There's things that for some reason just felt real in this movie. And one of the parts that felt so real to me is when Mel Gibson was waiting for Vince Vaughn at 4.30 in the morning on the street. Because yeah. I felt like I've, I've been there waiting for someone early in the morning like, uh, and they're not there at the right time. But then with the stuff that was happening in the street, like the guys jumping the gate, the bum, I've used to Uber. And I used to Uber overnight. And I've been in Liberty City at like four in the morning, five in the morning, picking up people. And I have seen stuff like this. I, a guy on a bicycle coming up and knocking on my window, asking for a cigarette, this old dude, riding off into the night when I told him no. I'm like, Wow, I'm like, I really felt that one scene so much. I'm like, hey, I've been on those streets. Yep. And to me it added a whole bunch of realism. And again, I don't know how many people would relate to that if you haven't been out in the streets at four in the morning for no reason mm-hmm. and noticing stuff, but it, it is a it is a, a a weird world out there.
0: Fortunately for you, you're speaking to a man who's done that very same thing, driving Uber in Philadelphia. <laughs> Dropping someone off in a neighborhood where I went, uh, yeah, I want to try to get out of here as quickly as possible (laughs) after I drop this person off. I won't be picking up any rides around here at this time of night. So, yeah, I I can relate.
1: And then um, the only other thing I wanted to say real quick, there were great lines. There were great quips in it. My favorite, though, my favorite line was when Mel Gibson was telling uh, Vince Vaughn, you don't have to be here. You have no obligation. And he just looks and goes, My word oh, yeah. is my obligation. I was like, yeah. Oh, I was yeah. literally, I just wrote down. I'm like, I have to write this down. My word is my obligation. I'm like, yeah. Dang, Skippy. And then it yeah. made it so much worse when he died. I was like, Ah. Oh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's a su- super likable character. Yeah. Um, but also, I, big props to Don Johnson. His appearance was brief, but I thought the oh. scene was powerful. Yeah. And I thought, um, second to, um, django unchained it was it was a, a superb performance from Don johnson
1: and um, it gave us just that that scene gave us so much information on mel gibson's character yeah, about right. that's why i'm sitting here you're doing that hey you yeah. didn't used to push it this much now we've known like it gave so much yeah. and it just gave it naturally not oh i'm gonna sit yeah. here and tell you look what you've done no just yeah. in that conversation was so good yeah Yeah, it was really
0: good. Um, All right. So apparently um, the studio at one point, you know, was kind of begging uh, S. Craig Zayler to edit the movie down to a, quote, audience friendly, 130 minutes. But um, he was not happy with this request. He has a final cut clause in his contract. So, the film was released with a limited theatrical run and sa- same-day digital, um, which mirrors his other releases. And the film was kept at 159 minutes.
1: I got to wonder, like, how profitable are his films that he gets a final cut clause? I know. Because they know. don't make a lot of movies, but they could be very profitable, like, on you know, selling them digitally and streaming yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Oh.
0: And a fifteen million budget million dollar budget I mean this movie again I, I wanna say it was earlier this year was if I'm not mistaken, definitely in the top ten, maybe in the top five, it might have even been number one at some point, I'm not sure on like Netflix most watched yeah. um like it became really popular at one point huh. so yeah, and then bone tomahawk i I only heard of it. And for me, it only—I've only ever heard it mentioned because of the gore. I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, it's such a good movie, such a great western, such an incredible Kurt Russell performance." Um, and so, I was blown away. Like to me, it's—it's it's a masterpiece. Like oh. I, it was a, a great, in some ways, like a great classic western. With 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 all of, with a lot of those, um, uh, you know, uh, just those. Um, what, what am I trying to say here? Cliches, um, yeah, like cliches. But you know, key, keystones of a right. of a western, awesome. but then also right. doing something brand new. Like it was it was like awesome.
1: I, I've only heard of Bone Tomahawk because of Mark, who loves yeah. the movie. And I'm surprised that you're telling me it's a Western because I thought maybe it was like a horror, of some guy, modern day, you know, killing people with a tomahawk. Yeah. And now that you're telling me it's a Western, like, Mark doesn't like Westerns. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm like very surprised. Never once thought it was a a Western because of that.
0: Well, Mark watched it because he heard about the gore.
1: Yeah. And again, all I hear from Mark is the gore. Like, not the gore. He's like, oh, it was just awesome. It's gore. I'm like, okay. And and we know he likes that stuff.
0: Bro, it's someone gets kidnapped four guys going to find her um so it's again it's like a simple western idea wow. but dialogue everything about it was so, so good
1: so it's high it's um it's uh shanghai noon is what you're saying <laughs> yeah um wait so, are, are, okay. we in, are we on uh fun facts by the way
0: yeah i have i already did the first one <laughs> Um, apparently Vince Vaughn who again um, has worked with as Craig Zaylor before in brawl and cell block 99 um, while working on on hacksaw Ridge directed by Mel Gibson uh, I, I guess he's the one that showed Mel Gibson the screenplay talked up Craig Zaylor, and and, um, and and yeah Gibson really liked it and agreed to star in it which was a great combination. Um and I mean when you have someone with the uh uh directorial uh, track record of excellence that Mel Gibson has, you know, for him to be impressed with as Craig Zaylor and then sign on to star in that movie, that that tells you a lot right there. Um
1: but apparently it ha- Half the people in this movie were in in cell block ninety nine. I think. Oh, okay. Like when I was looking at the cast, like Jennifer Carpenter, the the guy you like, oh, okay. you know, I said, look like inside actor studio. Yeah, like like those, and I think a couple others were in cell block ninety nine.
0: Okay. Um, Another this one. W- this might even blow your mind even more. Just uh, about that previous conversation about how he has that final cut clause. It's the fir- first film directed by Craig Zaylor to receive an official rating from the NPAA. His previous films were released as unrated. Really? They would... and, well, um, and last got, but not, not least. One. Another one. Director S. Craig Zaylor has written all the songs for the movie and even performed one of them. For this movie?
1: Yeah. Wait, what? wasn't the soundtrack like the OJs or something? I thought so. Like, I thought they had it said, like, the OJs. It could have been the OJs performed by something. Yeah, look. Uh, the duo wrote several solo pieces and recruiting the rhythm. Oh, so they wrote them, but the OJs performed most of them.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Okay. She didn't write them. Oh, man. I'm not going to lie. They sounded like they were real songs that. I've probably been on yeah. the radio for a while that I didn't know. And it was good. That, the,
0: su- the soundtrack yeah. was good.
1: That's why it threw me back to, like, 70s, 80s, because it had, like, the OJs, I guess. I don't know, really know who the OJs are, but it had, like, a nice rhythm and blues type sound to it. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, Kevin, you will oh. appreciate this. Stephen Craig Zayler, born Miami, Florida.
1: What? Hold up! I was not prepared for that. Like that, uh, he was born in the three hundred five. Yeah,
0: what? a Jewish man studied film at NYU. But someone, um, if you've never heard of him, and if you've never watched any of these films that we've been talking about, watch them. And definitely is a director and writer that must be on your radar because he's, oh my, he's okay. knocking it out of the ballpark. Oh. Uh, and with that being said, I, shall we go to our ratings?
1: If you are ready for I was just I was looking. Oh, he also did Puppet Master, the last Reich. You don't got to watch that one. But, <laughs> but I, think, I think I saw a little piece of it. I'm like, you, you're fine without it. <laughs> All Hold right. On it's ratings time pick on the ratings little jerry's you know that's right
0: so uh yeah for those unfamiliar we do a uh little jerry's rating scale one to five five being uh the 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 highest and best. The,
1: the apex of the mountain. The
0: apex and um, one being the lowest do not uh. Uh, do not recommend.
1: The anti-apex. So, yeah.
0: The zpex. Uh, so for me, um, again I'd say two for two so far on S. Craig Zayler Films and from what I've heard about brawl in cell block 99 that would probably be my third one that i watch and he'll it'll probably be three for three um really exciting writing director telling some really great stories um this one you know told within a uh, a a uh popular genre same for bone tomahawk but um but just doing it in a in a fresh way with a unique voice great perspective and uh and also just just a great directorial touch um and obviously getting some great performances out of his actors as well um so i enjoyed it again for me the apex of his career is bone tomahawk from what i've seen so far but um and so dragged across concrete while it's super thought provoking and there are so many interesting things that he's saying that he's shining a light on in this film um again just relatable characters that are just gray you know you you understand them and um empathize with them in a way that really makes Outside in this movie of those bank robbers who were you know psychotic um, killers, um, you know the other guys from the detectives to Slim and Biscuit, um, uh, and uh, and other char- the character played by Jennifer Carpenter and everything like that. Um, well, not so much her, but anyway, she was it was a good character. But um, yeah, I mean, really. From the protagonist, no good guys or bad guys. You know, just kind of realistic people in in uh, tough situations, um, trying to survive, and so very fascinating. Um, the I would definitely watch this movie again, and I I wouldn't fast forward, but there were there would be parts of it that I would want to go quicker just to get to something else, you know? Even though there were good moments of dialogue and, and still important and good things that happened in those scenes, there definitely was a feeling of, you know, dragging. And then of course things ramped up and you're like, okay, cool. But but there were some things in the middle that I, that I uh, just out of preference would knock at some points a little bit would like to see a cut of the film a little bit shorter just with maybe some things um that were not super necessary to the story again like like the speech from the the bank manager although it was funny and and entertaining uh, it wasn't critical to the story so maybe cutting that out and just making it a little bit slimmer um but uh but, yeah, great performances. Um, I love Mel Gibson, love Vince Vaughn. So cool to see them teaming up for this one uh, after Hacksaw Ridge. Anyway, uh, so for me, I would give this – I'm going to
1: go four out of five. Four out of five. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, little note that I saw as, as we were reading – He's part of, a, uh, the director and writer is part of a, a duo, a synthesizer duo called Binary Reptile. Synthesizer? Yes, yeah, a, a synthesizer duo named Binary Reptile. I'm wondering
0: if he wrote, no, I don't think so. Well, like I was wondering if he even wrote those jazz pieces, that jazz music that was playing in like Vince Vaughn's car and in his apartment.
1: I think so, because like I said, everything, everything I saw was by the OJs and by this, sorry, apparently it was all written by him. But, okay, so, with me, I I did lo- I did like this movie a lot. Um, it was a story about, um, quote-unquote, good guys struggling to do a bad thing and trying to make the best of what they can. Um, that's just not the cops, that's, you know, the guy, Henry, also, just trying to make it through. I thought they were very well-developed characters, very characters with real struggles, that we saw actually play out and who made mistakes, who made errors, who made dumb things. As we talked, I did knock it down a little bit as we were talking because, again, as we talked about underdeveloped you know, bad guys and why are they doing this, what's going on, what's the plan, and maybe that's not the focus, but for me, it would have just rounded out the movie a little bit better. I do think the stakeouts went on a little bit long and they ordered a ton of food through this movie. He was always sending Vince Vaughn to get food. And do you imagine it... being on a
0: steakout with a guy that's eating two egg sandwiches <laughs> <Yeah>. on <laughs> pumpernickel or something?
1: Yeah. And then even when they were eating it, like when they, Vince Fawn was eating that burger, he was like, an ant could have eaten that burger faster than you. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I would have had that conversation with you if I was taking my time. You're like, are you done yet? And it, it, it just gave it a realism to it. I did enjoy it a lot. I think people should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I wouldn't recommend it to just everybody because, again, it, it is a little heavy and a little slower parts. But it is a movie I do think people should watch. I I'm gonna go with a solid four out of five, also. And I can't wa- wait to watch Bone Tomahawk and Cell Block Ninety Nine.
0: Wow! Not this. Well, since since it's been the duo of Kevin and Juan. Minus Mark, I'm pretty sure this is the only time that we've gotten the same, the same score, same rating. It's probably happened even even when it was the three of us, and even of all the films that we've done. Well, there's obviously there was movies that we all there was a few of them that we all gave perfect scores to. So there's that, but I I would dare to say that you could probably count at this point, we're in the 70s, maybe close to 80 episodes, yeah. close to 80. And I'd say you could probably count in one hand the times that we've gotten the same score.
1: Yeah, me, me and you tend to be on polar opposites.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, but, if um, I
1: loved it, you hate it. If I hate it, you
0: loved it. And I thought you were going to I, – I thought because of how long it was and how slow at times – I I, I thought you were going to dismiss it. I didn't think you were going to like it.
1: Well, I liked it because, to me, it fed into the narrative. There's other movies that I felt were, were long for needless reasons to be long, and nothing was happening, and the story wasn't as cohesive. I thought this told a good narrative. Like, it checks off all my marks. It told a good narrative, you know, developed characters well. You know, I thought the resolutions were well done. You know, even though, again... For me, if you would have just chopped off the thirty seconds and the five minutes, it would have probably gotten a higher score for me. Like it would have, it would have ranged closer to five, but just for those, just for my personal preferences, you know, knocked it down a bit, and then some other stuff. But like I said, it's it wasn't just because it was like just being slow. I did think it added I did think it added more to yeah what we were watching, the suspense and the buildup. Hmm. And actually yeah. liking these characters and wondering how it was going to end. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. All right. So four out of five for me, four out of five for Kevin um, in our book. That makes it fresh. Um, so... Not frozen. If you, get, if you get a chance to, you can watch this on Netflix um, or on Tubi. Although... Man, it felt like there were a lot. I watched this on Tubi, and oh. it's the commercial. So first of all, the commercials make it even longer. Yeah. And it I just like, felt wow. like there were so many ads um, in this one. Maybe it's just because the movie's long, so clearly there's going to be more ads.
1: And then those ads but, always come up in the worst spot.
0: But that that was a little rough. That, that That didn't help the experience also. So if you can watch it on Netflix, watch it on Netflix. Uh, and avoid the ads but if you don't have netflix and you still want to watch it for free as always tubi is a great option um they do not sponsor our show but they could not yet tubi if you're listening we 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 have glowing remarks about you all the time so anyway um yeah good conversation thanks kevin for watching the movie and uh for um thank you for picking it yeah no problem um, I'm I think I know what's coming next so I'm excited about that I won't spoil it here but um, make sure to uh, uh, like we said follow subscribe like uh, share comment do all those good things and 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 as always s- stay tuned for the next one thank you for listening
1: uh... later for all you out there. Later.